So I don't know how your week has gone. I know for me, I've had a lot of ups and downs this week. There's, I've experienced some things that were hugely encouraging and then uh, things that were massively discouraging at the same time. And we all experience you know, the ups and downs of life. Um, sometimes we experience them intensely and they just seems like we're just on that roller coaster. And I talk to more and more people who, who are expressing that uh, in this season, that they've been really uh, just in intense ways experiencing all the ups and downs of the season. Sometimes we experience the lows of life because of the high points. Uh, for example, I've heard of athletes who after winning the championship or winning the gold medal, they have this morning after sickness and depression that there's a letdown. Sometimes those high moments don't deliver like we think they will. Or people who work, I've talked to people who work their whole lives to get toward retirement and then they retire and they have a big party and then the next day there's this sense of letdown that uh, what, what to do next, what, what's the goal. Um, so sometimes those highs can, can lead to the lows, but we also know that in our low times, um, th those can be times where God is doing something very beautiful, where God is doing something good and important in our lives, even though we can't feel it. And as people of faith, we know that God is the God of the highs and the God of the lows. Very famous uh, Psalm, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. We know that God is guiding us in the green pastures beside the quiet waters, but he's also guiding us in the valley of the shadow of death. And, and, and we know through faith that sometimes we actually need to go through those valleys to reach the mountaintops. God is using it all to guide us and to shape us for our good and for his glory. So we're embarking on a new sermon series today, and we're calling it the ups and downs. We're going to be thinking about all the uh, how God is God of all the ups and downs of our lives, and we're going to be exploring texts from the book of Second Corinthians. Now, you may say to yourself, "Well, come on, we just spent the last five months in the book of." First Corinthians, must we stay in this book? And uh, to that, I would say, you know, this book really captures for me uh, where we're at today as a people, as a free Christian church in this time, in this season. And it's a very different book. Second uh, Corinthians than First Corinthians. It reads much more. Uh, it's much more personal. If you read them back to back, you'll see just a great shift. It reads actually more like a diary. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter along with his companion Timothy, and he wrote it to the church in Corinth, of course, he's being very vulnerable in this letter and exposing his sort of his inner life. And there's a roller coaster of emotion that he's experienced. And, and you see the relational tension between this leader, this apostle of Jesus Christ, and this young church. In this letter, we call it Second Corinthians, right? But it's really, the, it's more like Fourth Corinthians. Uh, there was a, a letter that Paul wrote, uh, an early letter that we don't have. And then the second letter we call First Corinthians, which we've been studying. Then there was a third letter that he wrote. And it was a very harsh letter. It was a very uh, hard letter. And he was trying to win this church back over to his side. And there was this, all this tension and people were discrediting Paul and his authority. And so he wrote this harsh letter. And he, he said that he regretted even writing the letter. And then he also says that he 
didn't regret writing the letter. It was, you can, you can just see the emotional up and down of, of this process that he's had back and forth. Uh, and then he, and finally he wrote this letter, which we call Second Corinthians. And it's, as we understand, probably the fourth letter here. But we see all the highs and lows of his heart and, and his heart of faith, and, but also seeing God's goodness throughout this. So today I want to look at this first chapter here. And you'll get an idea right off the bat. Actually, look at verse 8 here. He writes, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Wow, that's a, that is a heavy statement. And as we explore this, I just want to stop here because I don't know the pressures you're facing right now. I don't know the stresses and the anxieties of this season for you. But here, this uh, man of faith was in a place of pressure so much that he despised even his own life. And I just want you to know if that's if you are in one of those places today where you're wondering, is life even worth living? I want you to stay with us here. I want you to, to walk with us through this. Um, I don't know your pressures. I don't know your losses. I've talked to people who have experienced immense losses in the season. I heard of one family this week who, um, who the, the father died and, and, and the, the mother is, is trying to navigate um, graduations for her children and then move, making these moves in the midst of their grief and then in the midst of all of the um, things being shut down and all the limitations of life. It's just, it's just a terrible season. And I, again, I don't know your story, but God does. And we believe that God is the God of all the highs and all the lows. And we trust him today. So let's just stop and pray and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump into this. So Father God, I just pray wherever we're at, for anyone who's listening who can hear my voice right now, Father, you know them and you love them. And I just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would be a comforter today. And that we would know something of your heart of love for us, your people, Lord. So teach us through your word in this time. And we commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to look at uh, three ways that suffering, that these low times can bring about comfort, can bring us to a high point. What is it about suffering that brings about comfort? And the first thing is this, is that suffering pushes us to rely on God. Pick up here in verse 9. Um, says, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Most of us, uh, and I think it's just human nature, that when we uh, face troubles, we try to solve our problems with our own strength. I have a problem. I have my skills, my wisdom, my resources. I solve my own problems. But at, there's those times when God just brings us right to the end of ourselves. And we are forced in that moment to rely on him. Now, that's not a good thing that we're in that moment of desperation, but the good thing is that in the desperation, we do trust the God who we should be trusting all along. Abraham Lincoln once said, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. It's, it's not in the high times uh, necessarily that we are just compelled to seek God. Often, it's when we have nowhere else to go that we drop to our knees in prayer and trust the God of all wisdom. 
verse 10 here uh, continues this idea. Why is it that we um, trust him in this time? It's because he has delivered us, verse 10, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. You have three aspects of deliverance. You know, God has delivered us in the past. He's delivering us now and we know that in the future he will continue to deliver us. Think about this. Think about what was it last year at this time? So in May 2020, what was what was bothering you a year ago? You know, sometimes it would be even hard to remember what was what was what was bothering us uh, even a year ago, unless you actually take time to to think about it. Um, but in the moment when it was happening, it probably felt, felt really intense. Like you know, like these things are going to completely wipe out me or my life or my my family. But what happened? God brought you through it. God delivered you. Even think what was bothering you in February. What was your what was your great concern even just a few months ago? I mean, sometimes it's hard to remember. I don't even remember. What was I worried about in February? It felt like a big deal then. And I have a whole new set of things that I'm worried about now. But God brought me through those things. And God is bringing you through those things. God has done it and God will do it again. And that's what gives us hope. That's what helps us to trust God. And we always just need to be a people who remember what has God done in my past? How has God delivered me from things in my past? If you were in that low point. Now, in this context, the Apostle Paul is talking about troubles that he faced during his time doing ministry uh, in Asia. And we don't know specifically the situation. We know he had all kinds of trouble uh, in the city of Ephesus, but we don't know exactly the situation that was so troubling to him. But... You know, that, that was, you know, his context. But when we think about it in an ultimate sense, um, you know, God delivered this man, this leader from this situation. But for us, you know, Jesus has delivered us ultimately from our sin, that we all, uh, all people sin and fall short of the glory of God. And we are given God's grace because of what Jesus did on the cross. He has saved us. The moment we put our faith in him, we are saved from the penalty of our sin. But we also know that there's a continual process, that God is saving us, delivering us now from the power of sin in our lives. And we know that God will ultimately save us. He'll finish his work of, of redemption and salvation in our lives from the very presence of sin in our lives. This God delivers, he's delivering, and he will ultimately deliver. And where, wherever we are, we need to remember what we've been given by God through Jesus Christ. And that gives us hope in the struggles of our today. So uh, our troubles help us to rely on God. Secondly, the second way that suffering brings us comfort is that we can help others. Verse 4 says, God comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance in the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. This is a gift from God. That And it may never feel that way when you're in the middle of it. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is easy. 
when you're in the middle of a suffering. But when you get through it, you know that you've been through this difficult trial. You have been given the gift that now you can be a comforter to others. And to the degree that we have uh, suffered, we can be a comforter to others. I know for me, there's been times in my life that I thought were just the lowest uh, bad times. I remember when I was a teenager, when my parents divorced, it was a difficult time in the life of our family. It was a difficult time for me personally, struggling in many ways. And, and actually for many years afterwards and, and um, just sort of processing that and, and dealing with that as, as a uh, as a personal struggle. And I remember one time when I was doing youth ministry here at the church and there was a teenager whose parents were going through a difficult divorce. And she came to me and was sharing that. And I was able to share my story. And I felt like in that moment, God was redeeming that situation, that God was using the things that I had learned through a difficult situation to be a comfort to someone else. I know uh, not too long ago, I had a, a, my best friend, a very close friend of mine died of cancer. And, and it's still, when I think about it, it still stings to think about um, that loss and, and, and continue to, um, to, to be close with, with his family. And um, there's a sting in that. But I also know that God has brought me through that that I can be a comfort to other people who are struggling with terrible diagnoses, who have lost those who are very close to them. And that it's through these difficult things that we receive by faith some comfort from God, that we now have a gift. Even though the, the loss is tremendous, we do have a gift that we can share with others. And it's not that it doesn't sting anymore, but that there is, there is some redemption. And it gives us hope for this ultimate redemption. The famous pastor, A.W. Tozer, he said, before God can use a person greatly, he must allow that person to be hurt deeply. Why? Is, is God cruel? Does God get pleasure seeing people suffer? No, it's not about cruelty. It's about compassion. That's the issue, is that God is creating us to be and, and recreating us to become more compassionate people. Our suffering forces us to trust God and it gives us compassion for other people. Uh, another pastor said it this way. He said, God can do far more with a broken person than with a person who seems strong in their own strength and power. We live in a culture that values self-confidence and self-esteem, but really God needs humility for us and from us to, uh, to, to, lower ourselves that we can walk with others. It's not our strength that God needs, but he needs us to trust him in our weakness. And we just look at Jesus. Jesus, who has all the rights and all the power of the God of the universe. In his very nature, God himself walked where we walked, took on our flesh. He, um, he, he, he was tempted as we were. He suffered and he died human death. This is a life of humility that now I know that that God can comfort me. And this is unique to Christian faith. And that we have a God who, who knows our suffering. He knows our weakness. And he loves us. And he can comfort us because he's experienced it. I had a conversation once uh, as a part of a... a, a 
an assignment I had in seminary, and I was interviewing this Muslim man, and I was asking him, you know, what's your problem with, it was a very good um, conversation, and, and we have a lot in common, but I said, what is your problem with Christianity? Why wouldn't you put your faith in Jesus? And he said, here's the issue. You Christians have taken uh, this man, and you've made him God, and you can't God and man are so utterly different that you cannot combine them. You must not do that. Uh, God and man are so completely different. God is so other than we are. His biggest problem with the Christian faith is my greatest comfort is that God took on human flesh so that he understands us not just because he created us, but he understands us um, because he entered into it. He both designed it and became part of it so that he can comfort us in our suffering. And then we can comfort others. So uh, our suffering forces us to rely on God. It allows us to be a comfort to others. And thirdly, suffering brings comfort in that it prompts us to prayer. Here, uh, verse at the end of verse 10 here, he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Here, the prayer isn't um, Paul's prayer. It's the prayer of, of the people. So, so our suffering causes us to rely on God. It allows us to serve others, but it allows others to pray on our behalf. It prompts the, it prompts the faith of a whole community. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever felt that that in a time of suffering, it was a beautiful time of unity. That, that our troubles become an opportunity for, God, for God's people to, to be united in prayer together. I, I've felt it personally, and I know there's been times when I've had people praying for me, or I didn't even know they were praying for me, and I, but I just had this strong sense that I was somehow being held up by God. But it wasn't because of my faith, and it wasn't because of my prayer, but I know it was the prayers of God's people, and God responding and blessing me through that. And I'm so grateful to God that He does that, that, he, that God is a God who responds to the prayers of His people. I love when people tell me they're praying for me and they'll just, I'll get these little text messages, I'll get a card, praying for you, pastor, I'm praying for your family. And it, it just reminds me that I'm not alone in my suffering that it, or whatever struggle I'm going through, whatever low moment, that, that God's people are all around and we're holding one another up. And again, if you want prayer, click the prayer button, click uh, just Someone, if you're on the online church platform, somebody can pray for you or go to our church website and, and go to the prayer section and you can share prayer requests there. And people will be praying for you and they will be trusting God with you. It's all to God's glory. This passage starts in verse three. It says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of all compassion, the God of all comfort. It's just praising God in all circumstances. Psalm 34, 1 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Job chapter 1, he says, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Again, it's, we would think it's easier to praise God when we aren't facing trouble, but we are called to be people who give thanks in all circumstances. Um, 
this is perhaps the, the quickest path to understanding the heart of God is that giving him praise even in the midst of struggle. Because he's God and he's worthy of praise and he's at work in the midst of it even when we cannot fathom it, when we cannot understand it, he is still good. You know, the, the, the highest times in the history of, of Jesus' church and, and really in the history of our church are not the, 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 it, it's, it's, the worst times are not the time of suffering. The worst times is when everything's going fine. The, the, the most dangerous times for us is when, you know, everybody in the world, you know, thinks that Christians are great and that everything is fine. Jesus said, woe to you when people speak well of you. For that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. Jesus said, when things are going great and everybody thinks you're great, be careful. When that happens, it's, it's actually the times, those are the times when we could easily just rely on our own strength, um, not see a great need to listen to God, not see a great need to call on Him. But it's in those times of suffering that really are beautiful we see faith and i think for this season for us i pray that in this difficult season we are um we have been for a season you know required to to close our building and uh, but how are we you know being people of faith during the season and i've seen such beautiful things i pray that this season has been and will continue to be a season of increased prayer a season of increased generosity, a, a, a season where people are just so aware of how they can love and serve their neighbor, a way uh, people who are, who are prone to invite, invite more people to participate in these online services and to, to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and to be part of this community of faith. I mean, this is a season of growth and of deepening for us. It is, um, it is not a bad thing. This is a, a good thing that God is redeeming and using for his glory. And I pray that God would give us the eyes of faith to see it. God uses our suffering for us to find his comfort. And then we use that comfort to be a comfort and a blessing to others. I don't know where you're at with this right now. Um, there, you're, there's one of three places you could be with that. Maybe you're somebody who needs comfort right now and you know you need it. I pray that you would rely on God, that you would turn to him and that you would find that comfort that he can bring you, the God of the universe who loves you, who came into this world to walk where we walked, to die in your place, to, to serve and to show you his way that you can know him even in the midst of this. Uh, maybe you're somebody who's experiencing God's comfort. And I pray that you'd be a person who just gives all the glory to God, knowing that you've, you've experienced it and you've, uh, you know it and you've, you know his comfort and that you just have a heart of praise. And maybe you're somebody right now who's giving comfort to other people. That you've experienced the beauty of, of looking at something that was really bad and seeing how God used it all for his glory. In whichever group you're in, and maybe you're in more than one of those categories, take this scripture with you. Take it with you this week, wherever you go, wherever God has you. Let it shape you and let God use whatever situ situation you're in for his good purpose. Let us pray. Father, I pray for those 
right now who are struggling deeply, those who are in a very low point, who are struggling uh, with, with whatever it is, Lord, whether it's a diagnosis or whether it's um, depression or anxiety or fear or just the uncertainty of life right now. I pray that in this very moment they would turn to you in faith. We thank you that you are the God of all comfort. We thank you, you are a God who does not waste pain, that you are a God who uses these things to shape us and to be a blessing to others, Lord. So help prompt our hearts, Lord. Show us, help us to listen to you. Help us to be mindful and, and prayerful about how you are leading us to go from where we are to where you desire us to be, a people who share your love, a people who share the good news of Jesus Christ, a people who are a blessing to this world, a world that you are redeeming as we put our faith in you. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.